Book One, Chapter Two of the Mystical City of God, Volume Three, by the Venerable Sister Mary of Jesus of Agreda. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book One, Chapter Two the operations of the soul of her most holy son and all that had been hidden to her again becomes visible to most holy mary she is instructed in the law of grace human ingenuity had made long and copious inquisitions into the natures and properties of love and into its cause and effects in order to explain the holy and divine love of our blessed mother i was compelled to add much to all that has been written and said concerning love for, with the exception of the love existing in the soul of Christ our Redeemer, there was none in all the human creatures, which was equal to that possessed by that heavenly lady, who merited the name of beautiful love. Ecclesiasticus, chapter 24, verse 24. The object and end of holy love is the same in all, namely, God in himself and all the other creatures for his sake, but the subject in which it exists the source from which it flows, the effects which it produces, are widely different. Now in our great queen, all these elements of love attain their highest perfection. Purity of heart, faith, hope, filial and holy fear, knowledge and wisdom, remembrance and gratitude for the greatest benefits, and all the other sources of a most exalted love, were hers in boundless affluence and proportion. The flame of her love was not enkindled or inflamed by the foolishness of the senses, which are without the guide and control of reason. Her holy and pure love entered by way of her most exalted understanding of the infinite goodness and ineffable sweetness of God, for since God is wisdom and goodness, he wishes to be loved not only with sweetness, but also with wisdom and knowledge of the one that loves. These loving affections are more alike to themselves in their effects than in their causes, for if they once take possession and subject to themselves the heart, they are hard to expel. From this fact arises the suffering of the human heart in seeing itself forsaken and unnoticed by the one beloved, for this want of proper correspondence implies the obligation of rooting out its own love. As this love has taken such entire possession of the heart, that it dreads a dispossession, although, on the other hand, reason urges it, such a violent strife is caused, as will resemble the agony of death. In the blind and worldly love, this agony is but frenzy and madness. But in divine love, this agony is highest wisdom. For since no reason can be found for expelling love, it is the height of prudence to search after, means of loving more ardently, and seeking to please the beloved more zealously as also the will therein acts with fullest liberty, it happens that the more freely it loves the highest good, so much the more does it lose the power of not loving him. In this glorious strife, the will, being the master and sovereign of the soul, becomes happily the slave of its love. It neither seeks, nor is it able to deny itself, this free servitude. On account of this free violence, if the soul finds avoidance or withdrawal of the highest good, which it loves, it suffers the pains and agonies of death in the same manner as if its life were ebbing away. The soul's whole life is in its love and in the knowledge that it is loved. Hence one can understand a little of the sufferings of the most ardent and pure heart of our queen. In the absence of the Lord and in the eclipse of the light of his love, it caused in her agonies of doubt, whether perhaps she had not displeased him. For as she was, so to say, a vast abyss of humility and love, 
and as she knew not whence the austerity and reserve of her beloved originated, she suffered a martyrdom so entrancing, and yet so severe, as no human or angelic powers will ever be able to fathom. Mary, who is the mother of the most holy love. Ecclesiasticus, chapter 24, verse 24. And who reached the pinnacle of created perfection, alone knew how and was able to bear this martyrdom, and in it she exceeded all the sufferings of the martyrs and the penances of all the confessors added together. In her was fulfilled what is said in the canticles. If a man should give all the substance of his house for love, he shall despise it as nothing. Canticles chapter 8 verse 7. For in it she forgot all the visible and created things and her own life, accounting it all for naught, until she again found the grace and love of her most holy and divine Son, whom she feared to have lost, although she continued to possess him. No words can equal her care and solicitude, her watchfulness and diligence, in trying to please her sweetest Son and the Eternal Father. Thirty days passed in this conflict, and they equaled many ages in the estimation of her, who deemed it impossible to live even one moment, without the love and without the beloved of her soul. After such delay, according to our way of speaking, the heart of the child Jesus could no longer contain itself or resist further the immense force of his love for his sweetest mother. For also the Lord suffered a delightful and wonderful violence in thus holding her in such a suspense and affliction. It happened that the humble and sovereign queen one day approached her son Jesus and throwing herself at his feet, with tears and sighs coming from her inmost heart, spoke to him as follows. My sweet love and highest good, of what account am I, the insignificant dust and ashes, before thy vast power? What is the misery of a creature in comparison with thy endless affluence? In all things thou excellest our lowliness, and thy immense sea of mercy overwhelms our imperfections and defects. If I have not been zealous in serving thee, as I am constrained to confess, do thou chastise my negligence and pardon it. But let me, my son and Lord, see the gladness of thy countenance, which is my salvation and the wish-for light of my life and being. Here at thy feet I lay my poverty, mingling it with the dust, and I shall not rise from it until I can again look into the mirror which reflects my soul." These and other pleadings, full of wisdom and most ardent love, the great queen poured humbly forth before her most holy son, and as his longings to restore her to his delights were even greater than those of the blessed lady, he pronounced with great sweetness these few words. My mother, arise. As these words were pronounced by him, who is himself the word of the eternal father, it had such an effect that the heavenly mother was instantly transformed and elevated into a most exalted ecstasy in which she saw the divinity by an extractive vision. In it, the Lord received her with sweetest welcome and embraces of a father and spouse, changing her tears into rejoicing, her sufferings into delight, and her bitterness into highest sweetness. The Lord manifested to her great secrets of the scope of his new evangelical law, Wishing to write it entirely into her purest heart, the Most Holy Trinity appointed and destined her as his firstborn daughter and the first disciple of the Incarnate Word, and set her up as the model and pattern for all the holy apostles, martyrs, doctors, confessors, 
virgins, and other just of the new church, and of the law of grace, which the incarnate word was to establish for the redemption of man. To this mystery must be referred all that the heavenly lady says of herself, and which the holy church applies to her, in the twenty-fourth chapter of Ecclesiasticus, under the figure of divine wisdom. I will not detain myself in explaining it, as by proceeding to describe this mysterious event, I shall make plain what the Holy Spirit says in this chapter of our great queen. It is sufficient to quote some of the sayings therein contained, so that all may understand something of this admirable mystery. I came out of the mouth of the Most High, says this lady. The firstborn before all creatures, I made that in the heavens, there should arise light that never faileth, and as a cloud I covered all the earth. I dwelt in the highest places, and my throne is in a pillar of cloud. I alone have compassed the circuit of heaven, and have penetrated into the bottom of the deep, and have walked in the waves of the sea, and have stood in all the earth. And in every people, and in every nation, I have had the chief rule. And by my power I have trodden under my feet the hearts of all the high and low. And in all these I sought rest, and I shall abide in the inheritance of the Lord." Then the creator of all things commanded and said to me, and he that made me rested in my tabernacle, and he said to me, Let thy dwelling be in Jacob, and thy inheritance in Israel, and take root in my elect. From the beginning, ab initio, and before the world I was created, and unto the world to come I shall not cease to be, and in the holy dwelling place I have ministered before him. And so was I established in Sion, and in the holy city, likewise I rested, and my power was in Jerusalem. And I took root in an honorable people, and in the portion of my God, his inheritance, and my abode is in the full assembly of his saints. Ecclesiasticus, chapter 24, verses 5 to 16. A little farther on in Ecclesiasticus continues to enumerate the excellences of Mary, saying, I have stretched out my branches as the turpentine tree, and my branches are of honor and of grace. As the vine I have brought forth a pleasant odor, and my flowers are the fruit of honor and riches. I am the mother of fair love, and of fear, and of knowledge, and of holy hope. In me is all the grace on the way and the truth. In me is all hope of life and of virtue. Come over to me, all ye that desire me, and be filled with my fruits. For my spirit is sweet above honey, and my inheritance above honey and the honeycomb. My memory is unto everlasting generations. They that eat me shall yet hunger, and they that drink me shall yet thirst. He that hearken to me shall not be confounded, and they that work by me shall not sin. They that shall explain me shall have life everlasting. Ecclesiasticus chapter 24 verses 22 to 31. Let these words of scripture suffice for pious souls, for in them they will immediately recognize such a pregnancy of mysteries and sacraments, referring to most holy Mary, that their hearts will at once be lifted up, and they will understand and feel to what an inexplicable greatness and excellence the teaching and instruction of her son have exalted the sovereign mother. By the decree of the most holy trinity, this princess of heaven was made the true ark of the covenant in the New Testament. Apocalypse chapter 11 verse 19 And from the abundance of her wisdom and grace, as from an immense ocean, all sorts of blessings, 
which were received and shall be received by the other saints until the end of the world, have overflowed. The heavenly mother came out of her trance and again adored her most holy son, asking his forgiveness for any negligence that she might have been guilty of in his service. The child Jesus, raising her up from the ground where she lay prostrate, said to her, My mother, I am much pleased with the affection of thy heart, and I wish thee to dilate it and prepare it for new tokens of my love. I will fulfill the will of my father, record in thy bosom the evangelical law which I came to teach in this world, and thou, mother, shalt put it in practice with the perfection desired by me. The most pure queen responded, My son and lord, may I find grace in thy eyes, and do thou govern my faculties in the ways of thy rectitude and pleasure. Speak, my lord, for thy servant hears, and will follow thee unto death. Third Book of Kings, Chapter 3, Verse 10 During this conference of the Divine Child and His Holy Mother, the Great Lady began again to see the Most Holy Soul of Christ and its interior operations, and from that day on, this blessing increased as well subjectively as objectively, for she continued to receive more clear and more exalted light, and in her Most Holy Son, she saw mirrored the whole of the new law of the gospel, with all its mysteries, sacraments, and doctrines, according as the divine architect of the church had conceived it, and as he had, in his quality of redeemer and teacher, predisposed it for the benefit of men. In addition to this clear vision of this law, which was reserved to Mary alone, he added another kind of instruction, for also in his own living words, he taught and instructed her in the hidden things of his wisdom. Psalm 50 verse 8 Such as all men and angels could never comprehend, this wisdom of which Mary partook without deceit, she also communicated without envy, both before and still more, after the ascension of Christ our Lord. I well know that it belongs to this history to manifest the most hidden mysteries, which passed between Christ our Lord and his mother during the years of his boyhood and youth until his preaching, for all these years were spent in teaching his heavenly mother. But I must confess again, as I have done above, that I, as well as all other creatures, are incapable of such exalted discourse. In order to do justice to these mysteries and secrets, it would be necessary to explain all the mysteries of the Holy Scriptures, the whole Christian doctrine, all the virtues, all the traditions of the Holy Church, all the arguments against errors and sects, the decrees of the Holy Councils, all that upholds the Church and preserves her to the end of the world, and also the great mysteries of the glorious lives of the saints. For all this was written in the purest heart of our great Queen, and it would be necessary to add thereto all the works of the Redeemer and Teacher in multiplying the blessings and instructions of the Church. Also all that the holy evangelists, apostles, prophets, and ancient fathers have recorded, and that which afterwards was practiced by the saints, the light vouchsafed to the doctors, the sufferings of the martyrs and virgins, and all the graces which they received for bearing their sufferings, and accomplishing their works of holiness. All this and much more that cannot be enumerated here, most holy Mary knew and personally comprehended and witnessed. She it was that gave proper thanks for it, and corresponded with it in her actions, as much as is possible for a mere creature, cooperating with the Eternal Father, as the author of it all, and with her, his only begotten Son, as the head of the church, 
These things I will explain farther on, in so far as it will be possible. Nor, in attending to the instructions of her son and teacher, and in fulfilling all her works with the highest perfection, did she ever fail in what concerned the outward service and the bodily wants of her son and St. Joseph, but to all her duties she applied herself without failing or neglect, providing for their food and their comforts, always prostrate on her knees before her most holy son with ineffable reverence. She also sought to procure for St. Joseph the consoling intercourse of the child Jesus, as if he had been his natural father. In this, the divine child obeyed his mother, many times bearing St. Joseph company in the hard labor, which the saint pursued with tireless diligence in order to support with the sweat of his brow, the son of the eternal father and his mother. When the divine child grew larger, he sometimes helped St. Joseph as far as his strength would permit. At other times, as his doings were always kept a secret in the family, he would perform miracles regarding the natural forces in order to ease and comfort him in his labors. Instruction given to me by the Queen of Heaven. My daughter, I call thee anew to be, from this day on, my disciple and my companion in the practice of the celestial doctrine, which my divine son teaches his church by means of the holy gospels and other scriptures. I desire of thee to prepare thy heart with new diligence and attention, so that like a chosen soil, it may receive the living and holy seed of the word of the Lord, producing fruits a hundredfold. Luke chapter 8 verse 8. Make thy heart attentive to my words, and at the same time, let thy reading of the Holy Gospels be continual. Meditate and ponder within thyself the doctrines and mysteries which thou perceivest therein. Hear the voice of thy spouse and master. He calls all men and invites them to the feast of his words of eternal life. John chapter 6 verse 69. But so great is the dangerous deception of this mortal life, that only very few souls wish to hear and understand the way of light. Matthew chapter 7 verse 14. Many follow the delights presented to them by the prince of darkness, and those that follow them know not whither they are led. John chapter 12 verse 35. But thou art called by the Most High to the paths of true life. Follow them by imitating me, and thou wilt have thy longings fulfilled. Deny thyself to all that is earthly and visible. Ignore it and refuse to look upon it. Have no desire for it and pay no attention to it. Avoid being known and let no creatures have any part in thee. Guard thou thy secret. Isaiah chapter 24 verse 16. And thy treasure. Matthew chapter 13 verse 44. From the fascination of men and from the devil. In all this wilt thou have success, if, as a disciple of my most holy Son and of me, thou puttest in perfect practice the evangelical doctrine inculcated by us. In order to compel thyself to such an exalted undertaking, always be mindful of the blessing of being called by divine providence to the imitation of my life and virtues, and to the following of my footsteps throughout my instruction. From the state of a novice, Thou must pass on to a more exalted state and to the full profession of the Catholic faith, conforming thyself to the evangelical law and to the example of thy Redeemer, running after the odor of his ointments and by his truth in the paths of rectitude. 
By first being my disciple, thou shouldest prepare thyself for becoming a disciple of my son. Both these states should lead thee to the perfect union with the immutable being of God. These three stages are favors of peerless value, which place thee in a position to become more perfect than the exalted seraphim. The divine right hand has conceded them to thee in order to dispose, prepare, and enable thee to receive proper light and intelligence for recording the works, virtues, mysteries, and sacraments of my life. Freely and without thy merit, the Lord has shown thee this great mercy, yielding to my petitions and intercessions. I have procured thee this favor, because thou didst subject thyself in fear and trembling to the will of the Lord in obedience to thy superiors, who continued to give thee express commands for the writing of this history. Thy greatest reward is that thou hast learnt of the three stages or ways which are so mysterious, hidden and exalted above carnal prudence, and so pleasing to thy divine master. Isaiah chapter 24 verse 16. They contain most abundant instruction, as thou thyself hast learnt, and experience for the attainment of still higher ends. Do thou record them separately in a treatise for itself, according to the will of my most holy Son. Let its title be the same as what thou hast already mentioned in the introduction of this history. Laws of the spouse, crumbs of his chaste love, and fruits collected from the tree of life in this history. End of chapter 2